Good morning, or good afternoon, not yet. Good morning, good morning. My name is George Martinez. Some of you, <laughs> some of you may not know me, um, but I actually, I'm usually the one here, you know, rocking out, playing my guitar, singing, hearing your beautiful voices. And um, today I was going crazy backstage. I mean, I was like, oh, I just want to go out there and sing, please, you know. But Hector did a great job, didn't he? Let's give it up for Hector. Awesome. Well, this morning I've been asked to teach, and I'm so honored to be here. And um, before we do anything, I got to ask you a question. Don't miss it. Ready? Stop texting. I saw you. How many of you have ever been to summer school? Raise your hand. Summer school. Yes. Underachievers unite. Yes. Woo! Nothing like getting straight D's in school. I love it, you know. <laughs> I, was, um, I, was, I was the king of summer school. Um, I, I love school so much. Just like Bob always says, I was there all the time, you know. And um, I remember this one time in summer school that it was a 4th of July weekend, right? 4th of July was on a Sunday. I was stuck in school on a Friday, and all my friends were letting me have it. I'll be at the forget about it. It's just like, hey, George, where you at? They're like, oh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm in school, bro. They're like, school? It's 4th of July weekend, bro. Come on, we're going to the beach. We're going to have pool parties, barbecue. Come on, man, don't be a loser. Skip school. I'm like, I can't skip school. That's kind of why I'm here. I, uh, you know, I, that's, you know, trying to, you know, not be that way. But, you know, it's just so funny. I was sitting there just stuck in the classroom failing algebra 2 for the 14th time or whatever it was, you know, and I'm looking at the clock, and what is it about when we want to have fun, when we've got somewhere to be, you know, like something really important is about to happen, we got to go, we got to be somewhere, that clock just never moves. It's just all of a sudden, every clock in America breaks just because you got to be somewhere, you know. Each, each second is like an infinity. I'm just like, please, I just want the bell to ring so I can go enjoy my weekend. Well, the bell finally, finally does ring, and um, I used to carpool with my friend Fernando. I looked at Fernando. I go, Fernando, we got to go, bro. We got to run to our car. We got to beat the whole crowd. And we got to get out of here. So we run to our car. And uh, all the teenagers were parked in this little, like, fenced-in, like, parking lot area of the school. And we jumped in. We beat the whole crowd. We got into our car. We started heading for the exit. And, of course, of course, the gate is locked. And I'm like, oh. Give me a break. Like, all I want to do is go have some hamburgers, you know, save by the beach, work on my tan lines a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and of course, the gate is closed. No one knows who has the key to the lock. It's just closed. 20, 30 minutes pass by. Me and Fernando are just looking at each other like, dude, this is not happening. Now everybody's in their car. There's like 150 teenagers ready to party and celebrate 4th of July. And we're stuck. And we're just stuck. And man... It's just so interesting, you know, like we just celebrated the, the 4th of July, right? I mean, we just, how many people had a great time during 4th of July? <laughs> Went to go see some fireworks, blew up your own fireworks, got burned and blew up your hand, me, ouch, aquaphor to the rescue, right? And, um, you know, it's funny, we just, we think about the, we see the fireworks in the sky, we think red, white, and blue. I mean, we're, we're thinking about freedom, you know, this is a free country, we're free to eat as many hamburgers and hot dogs as we want, right? That's right. Amen to that. But maybe that's probably why you guys don't invite me to your barbecues, right? Because I'll probably eat all the food you guys have. In... <laughs> but we're thinking about freedom. And, you know, just it's interesting about my story is that, like, we were students and, and the teacher said, hey, bell rang. You're free to go. Go ahead. You're free. And we were technically free. 
but we were trapped and we were stuck. We couldn't move, you know? And it's really important because I believe that there's a lot of Christians and a lot of us in this room that are living in that same reality. We, we talk about being free as Christians all the time, right? The freedom in Christ and all that. But there's a lot. If we, if we would be perfectly honest with each other, there's a lot of us that feel like we're, we're stuck. That we're not going somewhere, you know? There's something getting in the way of moving forward. It feels like you're the ones stuck in that summer school parking lot behind that gate. And you see, I remember when we were there, we were waiting for that gate to open up, and we didn't know what we were going to do. People started losing their minds. I mean, people were, like, getting really crazy. It was, like, turning into, like, a scene out of Braveheart. I mean, it was just like, they could never take our freedom. They can't hold us. They can't take us. We got to take it. It was just like people were going, like, really crazy. And I remember, like, right before the war paint came out and, like, you know, we rioted, you know, we stopped. And I go, Alex. Alex. Who's Alex? Alex was famous in school for driving one of these. A giant monster truck right there. I am not even kidding. He lives in Hialeah. I have his number. He drives a truck that big. I mean, it's like a a house on wheels. And I look at Alex and I'm like, and you know, I I got a little crazy too because I wanted to go, you know. I was starving. You get in between me and my food and my fun, don't, you know, anyway. So I look at Alex and I go, Alex, Alex, Alex. You're our ticket to freedom. And he's like, huh? I'm like, you're going to get us out of here, bro. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? And everybody's like, yeah, Alex, Alex, Alex. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I want you to get inside your truck. And you got to run over this entire fence, bro. You need to take the whole thing out. He's like, and he started twitching a little bit too. He's just like, you're right. We're never going to get out of here. I, I'm the one. I'm I'm going to save the day. I'm like, you do it, bro. You do it. I'm going to stand over here, but you do it, you know? (laughs) He gets inside his truck, goes as fast as he possibly can. Giant monster truck. I'm not even kidding. And he runs over the entire fence. All the poles bend. I mean, that that truck didn't even flinch. It was just like, (laughs) "Ah, stupid fence, you know? He gets out of his truck, and he looks at us, and everybody goes, yeah, woo, freedom. We're finally free. And, man, you know, it's just so funny. A lot of us, we, we're technically free, but we feel stuck. You know, maybe for some of you, it's, it's, it's something, something serious, you know? Like, we feel like we're not, we're not moving. We feel like we're paralyzed. Maybe for you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a financial situation that you're in. And you're thinking, George, I, I, don't feel, I don't feel stuck. I feel absolutely buried. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Or for some of us, it's not even that. Maybe for some of us, it's a, it's a relationship. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm supposed to be free. But if that's true, why do I feel the way I do? Why does it feel like I'm losing hope? I've been working on this relationship for a long time, and, and it, just, it's, it seems to be going nowhere. Or for some of us, I don't know about you, but for me, the worst time for me is right before I go to sleep. Right before I go to sleep, everything hits. Like, everything. I start thinking about everything that's happened, my past, the future, this. I start worrying, and I just stay up at night. I, I, it's, just, it's just what happens, you know? I know a lot of us deal with that. Now, what is it? Have you been staying up at night, not sleeping, because you've been looking back at the last couple of years of your life, and maybe thinking, God, where, where am I going? Why do I feel like I'm just paralyzed? Why do I feel like I just can't move forward? Well, If that's you, I'm really glad you're here because in the short time that we have together, what I want to do 
is not just talk about this idea of being free and freedom, you know. Not just talk about it. But I want to help every single one of us become free. Because Jesus said it this in John chapter 8, verse 36. He said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And see, here's what I want to do today. All I want to do is tell you one story. One simple Bible story. And it's in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible or if you have an iPhone app or iPad, please turn to Acts chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today. If you don't have a Bible, hey, no problem. On your outline, we actually went ahead and and printed out the entire story so that you could have it uh, free of charge this time. But so we're going to talk about a story of one of Jesus's most famous disciples, right? We were talking about becoming. We've studied first and second Peter. And we're going to see a story where Peter felt stuck. He felt like he was bound. He was imprisoned. And we're going to see and we're going to learn today how God set him free. So if you follow with me in uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 of Acts, it says this. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John. That's one of Jesus' closest disciples with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover, because they couldn't kill people during Passover. Verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Just pause there for a second. So here's what's going on. Jesus, he left, and he told the church, and he told his disciples, look, make disciples of all nations, Spread the good news. Make my name famous in the entire world. Only problem is that there was, they had a, their own summer school gate holding them back. And that person that was holding them back was King Herod at the time. Now, don't get confused. This is not Herod the Great that built all these giant monuments in Jerusalem. This is his grandson, Herod Agrippa. That's his name. And um, I guess it just runs in the family. People, they're just, they have an attitude. They don't really like a lot of people. They definitely don't like the church. They don't like Christians, and they definitely do not want Jesus' name to be above their name. See, he was a politician. He wanted to be famous and popular with the Jewish people. So what did he do? He prosecuted and killed Christians. Now, it's so amazing what happens because the church, in that moment, they just see James get beheaded by a sword. They see Peter get arrested and is about to die. And those are two of the biggest leaders they have at that moment. And what did they do? I love what it says in verse 5, what they did. So it says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God. What they did, instead of freaking out, instead of going on Facebook and going, I, my life sucks, you know, like, right? And all this stuff, like that whole epidemic, please, can we, can, can we just take an oath to never do that? Like, Facebook statuses are not this, like, you know, please. But what did they do? Did they freak out? They probably freaked out a little bit. But they knew. They had faith. They knew that God had a plan. So what they do? They seeked God. And you see, for us, if we want to be free and live free from the things that are holding us back in life, the first thing we need to do, which is the first filling in your outline, is we need to seek God. Psalm 14.2 says this, The Lord looks down from heaven on all of mankind to see if there are any, any who understand and any who would seek God. I love that verse. I love that picture of God 
looking down from heaven, just watching us and waiting like a heavenly father, just waiting to see if in the middle of your trial, in the middle of your desperation, you would stop for one second and look to him and seek him. See, a couple months ago, um, Evelyn, my wife and I, we celebrated being married for two years. Thank you. Uh, two years. We got a lot to go. Um, we got a lot to go. But um, we, we, what we usually do, we usually uh, plan our vacation around our anniversary just to save, you know, the pocket because we're not, you know. And um, so we decided to do a cruise. And you're thinking, ooh, a cruise. I'm like, yeah, you know what I like about cruises? I love that no one can tell you when to stop eating. I don't know about you, if you, some of you know me, and you know how obsessed I am about food, and I'm like this piranha, I could just eat all day, you know? But man, it's, it's great to be, order, be able to order like five or six pizzas at three o'clock in the morning, and just like, yeah, and it's free. It's awesome, you know? So I was like, yeah, I can't wait. Awesome. We're getting ready for the cruise, and right before we get on that ship, about a week before, we find out that Evelyn is pregnant. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. We're super excited. Little baby drummers on the way. You're like, oh, to be like you. You know, like it's me else. <laughs> anyway, um, we're super excited, right? We're like, oh, wow, I can't believe this. I'll praise God. And then it hit. We're like, uh-oh. For our cruise, we bought an excursion to climb up a 150-foot waterfall. And I'm like, well, there's, you know, obviously, there's no way you're going on that. You know, don't worry about it, sweetie. Look, I'll, I'll try to talk to them to get us a refund. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. She's like, no, 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 no. I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm like, no, sweetie, listen to me, okay? There is a little, you know, no, 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 no. You cannot go up 150 feet on, on water. No, no, you're not doing it. It's like, no, sweetie, I want to do it. And of course, husbands in the audience, you're like, okay. But like, if you fall, you know, the name of this, uh, this waterfall is Dunn River Falls. And I told her, I'm going to be done if you fall off this waterfall, okay? Like, I don't want to hear when I come back, and it's going to be crazy, you know? So I was freaking out. We get there, freezing water, jump in. I mean, I like my soda that cold, but I don't like jumping into water that cold. And I'm just, like, freaking out. Slippery rocks everywhere. I'm like, God, I have never needed you more in my entire life than right now, you know? And so the tour guide, he said, hey, 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 no problem, man. Yeah, man. He's Jamaican. It was in Jamaica. It was awesome. He's like, hey. I'm like, hey, bro, I got a big problem, Okay. My wife is pregnant. He's like, no problem, man. No problem. Look, we all hold hands here and we help each other up the waterfall, man. Hey, it's all good. And I'm like, and for a second, I'm like, you know what? That's cool. All right. So like that means that we're going to be, if someone, we can help each other up, right? It's going to be great. Eh, no way. Because what happens? You got some people that take huge steps, right? There's some people that are, uh, are not as fast as the other ones. Some people that get distracted really easily. So Evelyn's in front of me huge line of people, right? And behind me, I've got this group of individuals from some random country, don't speak any word of English, and I don't know what it is, but they, they, they just want to take pictures of everything. Like, they want to take pictures of the rock. Oh, look, look, look at this leaf. I'm on vacation. Yes. Oh, wait, 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 look at this, you know? And like, they were, they were holding me back. Every time we were trying to move forward, they just kept on yanking me back, and I'm like, all right, I need to tell her something, you know? So there's this lady behind me. I go, hey, uh, excuse me, and I'm trying to be, you know, by the book. You know, not the crazy. I'm like, oh, excuse me, miss. Hey, look, my wife is pregnant, you know, pregnant, baby, you know, eh, you know. And I don't want her to fall and break head, you know. And she's like, you want, you, you want a picture? You want a picture? Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I, just, just keep up. Keep up. She's like, okay, okay. 
And so we start going up again, whatever, and then we're going up, and again, boom, I get pulled back. And then like, I almost, this time I almost dropped Evelyn. I mean, she almost fell, and that's it. That's when I just, I lost it. You know, I just stopped, I looked at the lady, and I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? And I said, you know what? You want to take a picture? Here you go. And I let go of her. I just let go. I didn't care. I just go, that's it. Take your picture. And she goes, no. And like seven or eight people all fell down this waterfall. I mean, it was, I, I felt really bad, but like, I, I really did. But, but here's the thing. I needed to make a decision. I, what am I going to do? They kept on holding me back. What am I going to do? Pull my wife down with me and, and risk her being injured? Of course not. But here's the thing. You know, it's so funny, right? <laughs> I hope they're okay. I never, went, I never looked back. But um, <laughs> this is, I'm serious. Anyway, um, so it's just so funny, right, that sometimes we can relate to that story. We can we. We're living that life right now. And you're thinking, I'm not in a waterfall, George. Yeah, I understand that. But sometimes, I'm just saying sometimes in our walk with Jesus, we feel like we're walking on these slippery rocks. You know, it feels like life can just, for one second, if we, if we don't pay attention, if we, if we let anybody pull us back or hold us back, we lost it. And you see, what's interesting is a lot of times we feel like we're in the middle of a waterfall and all that's hitting us is just a bunch of trials fears, all this stuff. We're just all these obstacles. And there's something that we have to do in those moments. We have to make a split second decision, just like I had to let go of that crazy lady, right? Sometimes we need to let go of things in our life. And how do we do that? We need to seek God. You see, if we seek God, we know how to seek God, okay? How do we seek God? Let's see, we can come to church regularly, right? We could read, read the Bible, read his word, pray. We could fast, join a growth group. But when we start doing that, we start redirecting the focus from this big problem, and we focus it onto God. So what happens? What does the Bible say? Oh, let's seek God. What does the Bible say about obstacles in our way? Well, I put it in your outline. Romans sixteen seventeen says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, just like I kept away from them. Who is it in your life that you got to let go of? Who is it? Is it your friends? The friends that say, hey, I got your back, man, no problem. Hey, yeah. And those are the same friends that are dragging you to these positions, these places, these situations that you know you're not supposed to be in, but yet you keep getting tugged and you keep getting tugged and you just can't move forward. What is it? What is it in your life? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of of people judging you? Are you afraid of what people think about you? Is it one of those type of things? Well, here's the thing. If we cry out to God and if we just seek God, He'll answer, and he'll get us out of that situation. You see, how many of us can just have honestly gotten out on our knees and go, God, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. God, please. Lord, I've, I've lost. I've lost everything. I've lost everything. What am I going to do? I've lost everything. But I still have you, God. I still have you, Jesus. I know it's tough right now, but you know what, God? I know you have a plan for me. Jesus, I know that you're going to get me out. If I would just take a moment and trust in him. This world may fail. My flesh may fail, but my God will never, ever fail. He will never fail you, ever. If we decide to trust and move forward with him, he's going to direct our paths. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says this, trust in the Lord of all your heart. 
and lean not on your understanding, but in always acknowledge him. Or we could even replace acknowledge with and always seek him and he shall direct your path. See, if we acknowledge him in those situations, instead of freaking out, instead of waiting and refreshing, spending the whole night refreshing our Facebook page to see if anybody commented on our guilt trip, instead of doing that, we will spend more time in the Word, spend more time with God in prayer. He's going to get you out. It's as simple as that. It's a promise. He's already said it in Proverbs. And guess what? That book is full of promises. But we need to spend time with it. He will get you out. Well, Let's continue in the story and see what happens with Peter. I mean, Peter's in prison now. This is a pretty serious situation. It's in verse 6, and we're going to pick it up. And it says this. When Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up and said, Arise, arise quickly, we got to get out of here. And his chains fell off his hands. Amazing. You know, then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so Peter did. And, and then he said, put on your garments and follow me. So he went out and followed the angel and did not know that what was done by the angel was even real. He thought he was dreaming. If we were in prison, I think we'd be dreaming about this type of situation. We're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, God, get me out of here. Like this crazy thing happening. Let's continue. But he thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, just like my summer school gate, which opened to them of its own accord by itself. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the, all the expectations of the Jewish people. You just pause there for a second. If you want to live free from these things that keep holding us back, you've got to seek God, number one. And number two in your outline, we need to take a step of faith. We need to take a step of faith, just like Peter. You see, I remember this uh, 23, 24-year-old skinny guy, no resemblance to me at all, um, huge beard, and uh, I had like crumbs of like whatever I, uh, oh, oh, not me, sorry, it's this guy, um, huge beard, and I had like my, you know, soup that I had the night before, and I mean, it was just nasty. I had my, my sideburns were going out this way. I had this nasty beard. I looked like one of the disciples of Jesus. It was crazy. And um, I remember not having a job. I remember being broke. I remember not knowing where I was going, and then the Lord put Evelyn in my life. And I'm like, oh, okay. What she saw in the caveman looking dude, I have no idea. <clears throat> but we started dating, and I remember the Lord specifically telling me, hey, I don't know how he talks to you, but this is how he talks to me. Hey, dude. I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, um, you should probably marry Evelyn. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa. Hey, buddy, one step at a time here. Come on. Like, no, no, hey, hey, listen to me. Marry her. Propose to her. I'm like, God, okay, seriously, I am broke. I have no money. I, have a, I don't have a job. I look horrible. And he's like, yeah, but she's still with you. So propose to her. I'm like, who is crazy enough to propose to her, his girlfriend when he's unemployed? This guy. I went to Jared. Ooh, you went to Jared. Right. And uh, I, went with, I went with Mark, 
I went with Pastor Mark, and Mark's like, man, you got to buy her a rock, bro. You got to buy her a giant meteorite. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, I, I, could, I could afford a, a, a pebble, maybe. But uh, there ain't be no rock on this, you know. And I'm thinking, like, this is crazy, you know. But you know what? I proposed to her. She said, yeah. That's what's crazy. That she actually said, yeah? Who's crazy? Ladies, seriously. You know what it is. Like, oh, hey, I want to marry you. It's like, oh, what you got in the bank account, dog? What's up? What's up? I got to see the green. What's up? You know, or you can take care of me. All right. I'll think about it, you know. But we took a step of faith. We had no idea how we were going to get by. We had no idea how we were going to pay for anything. We had no idea what God was, was going to do for us. But you know what? He took care of us. And I've never felt God so close in my life until I decided to take that step. That world of uncertainty that sometimes we live in, we don't know what's going on, but we have to take that step. It says in the Bible, if you draw close to me, I will draw close to you. If you take a step toward God, he will take a step towards you. It's a promise. And Peter just took a step of faith. He didn't even know what was going on. He was sleeping, which I don't know how he was sleeping, but he was sleeping. And the angel goes like, hey, man, get up. Come on, we got to get out of here. He's like, huh, what, what? He thought it was a dream. Can you imagine for one second if Peter would have thought that it really was a dream and believed it? He'd be like, you know what, Mr. Angel, yeah, this is really nice. And, man, I could really dream up some really cool stuff. But you go ahead and, you know, save me from prison. And I'm just going to kind of just, I'm just going to lay here and wait. Because I've been praying for God to do something. And the angel's going, hello? It's like, I, what else do you want me to do? I mean, I got an angel right here. Ready to, he's like, no, no. But what would have happened if Peter wouldn't have believed? He would have died. He would have ended up being dead. And see, James 2, 26 says this. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You see, a lot of times we have faith. We have faith, but we... For some reason, we decide not to do anything. We, we decide, we look, we prayed about it. And I hear it all the time. Like, oh, George, you know, I lost my job. Oh, yeah? Oh, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's like, yeah. But, you know, hey, I prayed about it. You know, it's just like, oh, cool. So what, what did God tell you? He's like, well, I didn't, I didn't pray long enough to hear him give me an answer. I just prayed, and now it's up to God, you know. Whoa, 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 what? He's like, yeah, look, I prayed. I'm not going to go around giving my resumes and stuff. If God really wants me to have a job, then you know what? He's going to give me a job. So I prayed about it, and now it's all on him. Oh, well, this is a news flash. When did God become a vending machine in our life? When did God become the little bubblegum machine? You put a quarter in, and you're just waiting for the thing. When did he become that? I don't remember ever. When did it become from a, a relationship of a father to this, like, give me what I want, and you're going to do everything? You see, I don't know about you. But I love honey buns, okay? I've got this, like, a, this, it, it's really bad. It's a really, like, I, I, I love being able to eat a honey bun and then eat another one and another one and just, and just keep going, you know? If I could, I'd put, the, I'd put a honey bun in a milkshake, you know, a honey bun milkshake. I mean, I, I love honey buns. Anybody else like honey buns? Anybody? Who wants a honey bun? You want a honey bun? I don't know if I can make it all the way up there. Let's see. All right. Nice. What a catch. Woo. Who wants a honey bun? Over here. Oh. Ah, Calvary. Attack of the honey bun. Calvary Fellowship. Who wants one? Who wants one? Here you go. Catch it. Oh. <laughs> Woo. I got you. I'll come back. I'll get it. I'll get it later. See me after. We'll split it up, you know. 300 pieces? Got it. Um, 
I love honey buns. But you know what I hate about honey buns? I hate this thing. It's going to be rare. That thing. I hate that thing. Oh, I hate that thing so much. Whoever invented this machine of death, okay, wanted us to be frustrated for the rest of our lives. I don't know who passed this, okay, because what happens? You put in your money. I don't know how much a honey bun costs nowadays. It's probably like 500 bucks compared to how it was when I was a kid. But you put in your money, you go B6, and then the evil coil starts. And then the thing comes, and you're looking, and you're like salivating. You're like, honey bun, yeah, honey bun. Ooh, yeah, yeah. And then it just goes, and it goes, eh. You're like, give me a break. You know, like, come on. Oh, I mean, seriously, I want to show of hands. If you were in that situation, how many of you, this is serious, how many of you would stop and sit down Indian style in front of the machine and look down at the honey bun and go, all right, well, the magical honey bun is going to get free from the evil claw, and I'm just going to wait here until it does that. How many of you would do that? Show of hands. Okay. Next question. How many of you, you know you've done this one. You put in more money to get two honey buns, and you try to push the other one out, right? How many of you would do that? All right, really? Okay, great. How many of you would beat that machine senseless for that honey bun, right? Exactly. Give me my honey bun! Ah, give it to me! Boom, you start kicking it, you start tackling it, right? And then what happens? You start shaking it. Not only does the honey bun come down, then you got a bag of Doritos, you got a Twix, right? And then you're just like, woo, I hit the lottery! Do not do that. That's called stealing. That's another message, okay? Do not do that. But still, of course we wouldn't wait around for the honey bun to magically come down. We want our honey bun, right? So here's the question. Why is it that we do the opposite with God? Why is it that instead of shaking up the machine and and making sure that we're shaking up this planet for the name of Jesus Christ and being a disciple of Christ, we just stop? And we become comfortable. We pray about stuff. And you know, oh, he's going to take care of it. Instead of shaking things up. You and I were both designed to shake this entire planet up. To bring glory and honor to the God that we serve. And it's as simple as that. There is no ifs, ands, buts about it. You were designed to shake things up. So what is it? You know, what is it that you've been, you've been praying about? And you've been thinking, oh, God, you know, I need a miracle. And I, I can guarantee there are people here today you're praying for a miracle. You are praying for a miracle. That's the only thing that it's going to take for you to get out of whatever it is that you're going through. But here's the thing, and don't miss it, okay? Peter needed a miracle. And I guarantee you, Peter was praying like he's never prayed before in that cell. But Peter, it wasn't until Peter actually took a step out that he actually experienced that miracle. You see, some of us, we want that miracle so bad, but we're just, we're just paralyzed. There's something holding us back, and we don't know what it is. Can I tell you, you need to move. Faith, faith without works is dead. You don't want to be dead. You don't want to be dead in the relationship that you have with Christ. Such a beautiful relationship to know that you are never alone, that you are never by yourself, no matter where you are. God is here right now. And it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling to know that I can just turn to God and go, God, I am so scared right now but you're with me and you're going to get me through it so we need to shake things up take a step of faith whatever it is what is it today when you leave today that you go you know what 
I've thought about this idea. I've had this idea in my head, and, and I'm just scared of taking that next step. Maybe it's opening up a business. Maybe it's whatever it is. Maybe joining a growth group. Maybe it's leading a growth group. Maybe it's like, man, you know, I play an instrument. I want to play on the, on, in the band. Do it. Take a step of faith. You don't know what God's doing, but that's the moment that you're going to experience God the most in your entire life when you have no idea what he's up to. I love that. I love that he's in control and not me because he's looking out for me, and he's looking out for all of us. So let's finish the story off, shall we? It's in verse 12. It keeps going. Let's see what happens. Now Peter's free, right? And he's going to go back and encounter the church. It says this. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered praying. They had been praying 24 hours straight. They haven't stopped. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. And she recognized Peter's voice. And because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate. She ran inside and announced that Peter, Peter stood before the gate. But the church said, you are beside yourself. In another translation, it says, man, you are crazy. Peter's not out there. But she insisted, no, 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 he is there. He is there. And they said, you know what? No, it might be an angel. It might be his angel. They used to believe that everybody had a guardian angel. They're like, oh, you know what? It's too late. That's it. It's his angel. But now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they finally saw him. They finally saw him. And when they did, they were astonished. But motioning to them, Peter, with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them and told them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go and tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. I'll pause there for a second. The James he's talking about here is not the James that we talked about in the beginning that got beheaded. It's a different James. But we want to live free from all the things that hold us back, right? First thing was, seek God. Second thing was, what? Take a step of faith, right? And the third thing we got to do in order to be free and experience freedom is we need to allow God to work in our lives. You see, can you imagine? Peter's outside going, hey, guys, guys, I'm free, I'm free. And church is over here going, God, we need you to free Peter. Oh, Lord, please free Peter. We need, we need a miracle. God, please. God, please. Hey, it's Peter. It's Peter. And like, the girl comes in. Hey, hey, Peter's outside. Shh. We're praying for Peter. Can you just, you're crazy. Get out of here. God, please, please free Peter. Free Peter. And Peter, the entire time, is like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, can you please let me in? He finally lets you in. And he's just like, what took you guys so long? It's like, I, I, I don't know. What? Wait a second. It's almost like if the church didn't believe that God had answered the prayer that they've been praying for so long. It's almost like if, if they weren't allowing God to work in their lives. They said no two or three times. They're like, no, he's not there. No, God didn't answer my prayer. No, God didn't listen to me. And the question that we need to answer to today is, have you ever said no to one of God's answered prayers. Have you ever prayed something so long? You've been praying 10 years, 2 years, 20 minutes, whatever it is. God answered that prayer. Maybe he didn't answer it the way you wanted it to be answered. And you just said, you know what? No. I don't believe it. Have you ever doubted? Maybe he, he, he radically did something in your life and you're like, whoa, God is amazing. But then for whatever reason, our flesh comes in we start doubting well maybe how long is this going to last 
God, how long are you going to choose to bless me? Because I've been praying for this for a long time, and I know that you can just take it away. And maybe you made a mistake. Maybe, maybe, I, I, maybe you're sick today, right? And, and, you're, and you're like, I don't know. I've been praying, but I, wait, now I'm here. Wait, why do we do that? Why is it so hard to understand that God loves every single one of us? If there was an easier way to get you through the situation that you're in right now, if there was a way, a less painful way to get you through the situation that you're in right now, don't you think you would have thought of that? Maybe the situation that you're in right now is exactly what God needs to do in order to use it to get you to that other side and to really experience freedom. Have you ever said no to one of his prayers? One of his answered prayers? I did. See, I always make fun of, you know, I was talking about how skinny I am and I love food and I eat 45 honey buns and all that. But there's a, there's, that came from somewhere. That came from an experience. And about three and a half years ago, I couldn't eat. For about 24 or five years of my life, I couldn't really eat the way I, you know, I eat now. Because I had this thing. This thing. I don't know what it was. The doctors didn't know what it was. They couldn't figure out a name for it. You know, and all I remember was eating and immediately after I ate, being in excruciating, just pain, just pain. And my body was rejecting all the food that I would eat. Didn't matter if I had a cracker, a patelito. Didn't matter if I had a, a cup of orange juice. The moment it hit my stomach, it's like, this has to get out right now. The problem with that is your body doesn't take in the nutrients of your food because it, has, it doesn't have time. So what happens is you start losing weight. And I always make, you know, talk about skinny George and all that stuff, but, oh, I was skinny. I come, I'm here, I'm 6'2", about 167 pounds today. I was 30, 35 pounds lighter when all this was going on. So imagine me 30 pounds lighter than I am right now, but eating as much as I possibly could. It was like this crazy balance. I needed to eat as much as I could because I knew that I was going to lose it. And I had to keep eating because I knew it. And it was just like this endless battle. My brother, my mom, you could ask them. I mean, I thought I was going to die. I have never in my entire life felt so close to death in my entire life. And man, it's a scary, scary place. I was thinking, like, what, what's, what's going to happen to my family? You know, what's going to happen to my mom if I pass away? What's going to happen to my brother? What's going to happen? Like, God, how can, I, how can I pass away without having a family of my own? And, and you know how much I want that. What's going to happen? Well, the doctor said, hey, look, we're going to help you. We're going to help you. Here you go. We're going to help you. Here's some pills. I'm like, oh, all right but you don't know what I have. He's like, yeah, we know. But take these pills. Like, well, how do you know? Just take them. It's going to help you eat a little bit more and, and at least, you know. Like, okay, well, how many pills do I have to take? 90 pills a month. I'm like, 90 pills? How long do I have to take this? The rest of your life. And um, then it came, then, then came the moment. I was taking these pills for two or three years, and then God blessed me with this amazing person named Evelyn that showed up and said, hey, 
why don't you pray about it? I'm like, sweetie, that's really easy for you to say. I've been praying about it. People have been praying for me. I just can't let go of this because this has been around so long. He's like, yeah, but have you ever surrendered it to God? And I'm like, I, I, guess, I, I guess I haven't. Like, why don't you do that? Now, don't, don't quote me on this. It's not, I'm not telling you to go and get your prescription drugs and throw it down. The, no, do not do that, okay? But I remember getting on my knees and telling God, you are bigger than this bottle of pills. I believe that you are greater than this. You created the entire universe, and this is not going to separate me from living the life you want me to live, from really experiencing freedom. So I, I give you these pills. I give you my stomach. I give you everything. I take these pills, throw them away, just get them out of here. I don't want to deal with it. God, please heal me. Very next day, very next moment, I went out to lunch, had food, super afraid to eat. I was so petrified. I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't take a pill, and there was no pain. There was not a single inch of pain. Two weeks passed by. No pills, no pain. My brother's like, how is that even possible? I have no idea. Something that I've been dealing with for 20 years, 24, 25 years, and now three weeks go by, six months go by, a year goes by. No pain. I'm like, glory to God. Glory to God. He answered one of my prayers. He answered one of my prayers. And then what happened? I started doubting. See, it was almost like a year and a half, two years after he had healed me, and I'm holding on to these pills still. Because I was thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe he didn't heal me all the way. Maybe, maybe it's going to come back. And I wasn't trusting in God. What is the bottle of pills in your life today? What is it in your life that no matter how far you get or how much you get, what is it that keeps holding you back? from truly experiencing a loving Father, a loving God. Is it your past? Something that happened to you? Were you abused? Is it, is it, is it a fear of failing? Is it a fear of, of someone judging you? Is it regret? Is it an old relationship? Is it an addiction? Are you sick? Are you angry? You have this anger that you've been holding in for a long time. What is it? It's just a pill. It's a little bottle of pills. And you know what it is? That's the one thing that will always trip you up. That's the one thing that will always hold you back from truly experiencing what we talk about as Christians. Freedom. We can't experience freedom if we keep holding on to stuff. Imagine if you were Peter in that prison. Jesus is saying, hey, I love you. Jesus is saying, hey, I am going to free you from this prison cell. So he shows up. He frees. Everything's open. But we're over here holding on to the bars. And we just can't let go. George, I know you're trying to let me, you're trying to tell me that you want me to let go of that today. Oh, absolutely. We're going to have a moment where we're going to surrender to God. Surrender whatever that is in your life to surrender to God. But you're probably thinking, but George, that's so hard. You don't know what I'm going through, George. You're absolutely right. But God does. God can help you. God can free you. God can free you from anything. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you said to whoever it was, whether it was a father, son, daughter. It doesn't matter. God is letting you know that Jesus 
can free you from that. Maybe you're here, you're thinking, who's this Jesus guy you're talking about? I don't even know this. I have my idea of who God is. But the God of the Bible, let me tell you what, what he did. He sent his son to live on earth, a sinless life. He gave his only son so that he was nailed to a cross because of our sins, because of our mistakes. Why? Because he loves us. And he wanted to forgive us. So he took the place of what we should have experienced so that we could have freedom. I'd like to invite everybody to stand up for one second. Maybe you're here and you don't even know. You're, you're like, George, I there's something still holding me back. I know you're going to ask people to come forward and I, I am going to do that in a second. I'm going to ask any of you. And I don't care if it's the entire church that comes down here because there's something in our lives that's holding us back. Do not miss this opportunity to have an encounter with God and go, God, I give you everything that I am. I give you this sickness. I give you this thing, this thing that I've been praying for, whatever it is. I've been hurt. I can't trust anybody, but I can trust you, Lord. It's hard. George, I can't do it. Yes, you can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ came down and died for you, then you can do it. You can do it. Maybe for some of us, it's not even what we got to do. What we have to let go of today, you have to let go of your life. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. How do I do that, George? Just come forward and receive. It's a free gift. You don't need to do anything. God is not pointing the finger at anybody saying, hey, I saw what you did. I, oh, what happened last weekend? Oh, what happened? what? He's not that type of God. The God of the Bible is a loving Father who cares so much about every single person here. And just like He healed me, He could heal you. Just like He freed me, a nobody in Hialeah, He can free you. So are you going to take that step? Are you going to take that step? If you don't, God bless you. God bless you. If you don't take that step, if you do not take that step, let me tell you what happens. When we always do what we've always done, when we hold on to what we've always hold on to, we're going to end up always being in the same exact place that we've always been. And we're crying out to God going, why am I here again? Let it go. Take a step. This is your time. Take a step in the name of Jesus. If you want to come forward and accept Christ as your Savior, start coming. Let's go. Start coming. If you want to surrender something that you've been praying about, start coming. If you want me to pray for you, start coming. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. Jesus can set you free. Let go of the bars. We're going to sing a song that's talking about chains be broken, lives be healed. Let's experience that this tonight. Let's experience it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come forward if you want prayer. Let's do it.